never say die! And hello everybody, welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and I had to go back and edit the show notes because I forgot about Dre. Ah, snap. Oh. Welcome to episode 181 of The Rap Show. This is actually the second time we've tried to do this. You'll you'll notice that one of us is missing. That's Mike. Uh, We tried to do this the last time Mike was on vacation, but uh, Patrick was connected to the internet through a speaking spell. (laughs) My my tin can and string connection was not working very well. I don't know why. Aw. That's that's what I get for trying to connect to anything in New Orleans. I still I'm still scrubbing myself from it. Well, if you're trying to connect while scrubbing yourself, <laughs> you should always check out the shows at the Podcast Collective, including No Hope for Humanity, Dating Baggage, I Am Salt Lake, and of course the Rad Dad Radio Hour. He's rad. He's a dad. And if you're looking to find us anywhere on the internet or the interwebs anywhere that you can check out iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Talk Shoe. You can find us on any of those fine podcast providing facilities. Catelli <laughs> <laughs> doesn't do this very often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all off the cuff. Um, if you want to call us up and, and be part of the show, leave us a message. Uh, you can do so at 708 now wrap. That's 708 669 9727. Or, of course, uh, you can always send us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at 40go14. Do we have any communique this week? No, I I think that uh, some people may have been uh, communicating briefly on the Facebook page, uh, mostly asking about old archives. We're always happy to have new listeners. And uh, on our main RSS feed, slowly but surely, those first 30 or so shows, uh, Mike is getting them up. But you can always find our oldest shows. That's on TalkShoot, right, Joel? TalkShoot. Just like up 40 going on 14, and you've got the entire archive. Yeah, and uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, all the rest of those pull from our RSS feed. And uh, we are still restoring that from the uh, great calamity uh, when we changed internet providers maybe we should way stop, back when. Maybe we should stop using Slow Shirley. I wouldn't call Mike Slow and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> you said slowly but surely. So. Oh. Uh, see the brown booty act. <laughs> Take him down and smack him. Oh, uh, yeah. This is... You guys are speaking jive. This is going to be a great rap show. <laughs> no way of offending anyone at all. Yes, yeah, so let's let's try to do the rap and hip hop show without offending anyone. Um, I I mean, we don't do any other shows without offending anyone, so I don't know why this should be an exception. Yeah, that's the, yeah. Well, who wouldn't want to hear uh, three middle aged white guys talk about rap? <laughs> I'm slowly raising my hand. <laughs> uh, with that, I think it is about that time. It's about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. <laughs> All right, this weekend we're doing uh, March 25th, 1979, which is the release of King Tim Ill, personality jock by the Fatback Band. It was released before Rapper's Delight. It is often cited as the beginning of recorded hip hop. But it is obviously the lesser known. Right. Yeah. Near the end, I was starting to morph into Casey Kasem there. <laughs> it is <laughs> often cited. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, music. 
The number one song in the land is Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart. And the answer is no. <laughs> well, Heather Hunter apparently said it differently. And I'm or sure Rachel we, Hunter. Rachel Hunter. A Heather Hunter might have too. I mean, for all we know. Yeah, and several headhunters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nora Jones, soulful R&B singer, was born March 30th in Brooklyn, New York. She is a great singer. Yeah, I really like her. Yeah, me too. The eyes. Uh, March 23rd, Van Halen releases their second album, Van Halen 2. Very clever. On March 27th, one of the most famous non-musicians in rock and roll music history, married guitar legend Eric Clapton. Patty Boyd, inspiration for Layla, and former wife of George Harrison, left Ron Wood, moved in with uh, Eric you Clapton. Missed you missed a word there. Left Ron Wood to move in with, and then marry, Eric Clapton. That's, uh -oh. that's a, Mike is here in spirit. That's a big <laughs> thing right there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The whole Patty Boyd thing, um, if, you, if anybody's not familiar with, the, with, with this part of rock history, she's... Uh, a big part of, of a lot of the uh, problems between uh, a lot of rock and roll musicians, you know, Ron Wood, those of you that don't know, he a um, member of the Rolling Stones and also a backup uh, guitarist for Rod Stewart, you know, throwback <laughs> wow. and, and a member of Faces, uh, which was Rod Stewart's uh, band, his first ever band was also, you know, with Patty Boyd. And so she, she was like a, one of the first ever, like really well-known like groupies, in rock and roll music. Wow. So she married Clapton and George Harrison. Yeah, she was married to George Harrison while the Be while he was still with the Beatles and had an affair with uh with uh George Harrison had an affair with Ringo's wife and that's why she left George Harrison and then she was with Ron Wood for a while and then, you know, and then left him while Eric Clapton was going through his little three-year cocaine binge, she uh, actually moved in with him and helped him recover from cocaine. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heroin and cocaine. He had like a three-year binge of heroin and cocaine where he didn't even leave his house. Wow. You want, you, want to hear one of the worst, you want to hear one of the worst jokes I know? Oh, no. Is it going to offend the, the tears in heaven people? What's the oh yeah? <laughs> What's the difference between a three-year-old boy and a bag of cocaine? <laughs> Eric Clapton would never let a bag of cocaine fall out the window. <sighs> I I saw the punchline coming. It's like this is an awful, awful. People that know the story know that punchline as soon as you set it up. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. With that, we'll move on to movies and TV. I'll be doing double duty this week. The number one movie in the land is The China Syndrome. You said duty. No, I said duty. I, I specifically enunciated. <laughs> I actually haven't seen The China Syndrome. I haven't, I haven't either. Oh, wow. I wonder if Mike has. Wouldn't that be weird if that was the one movie Mike had seen that we had? <laughs> the one movie Mike had seen. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> He's seen plenty of movies, but it's just it seems like he hasn't seen a lot of common movies. Yeah. All right. Lake Bell television and movie actress, writer, producer, and model was born on March 24th. You know who has, uh, damn it. I was about to say, you know, who has a big crush on her, but I, I'm not even sure. I know who she is. Joel Women's hospital. This is what I, how I first came across her. Did you see, um, what, what, what's the, the orgy movie? Uh, the good old fashioned American, orgy. Yeah, good old fashioned American orgy. Did you see that? Oh yeah. Uh, no, nope. I'm talking to Josh. 
Oh. No, I'm actually looking at her filmography, like what she's best known for, and I've seen none of them. She's got naked pictures in the fappening. Yes. Uh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Moving on. Like I said, we always offend someone. Uh, Philip Bourneuf was an American character actor who had a long stage career before appearing in films. A founding member of the actor's studio, Bourneuf's most memorable role was the DA who maneuvers the apparently innocent Dana Andrews into the electric chair in Beyond a Reasonable Doubt. His last screen role was in the 1976 television miniseries Captains and Kings. Bernouf also made three guest appearances on Perry Mason. He also appeared in other television series such as Alfred Hitchcock Presents and Dr. Kildare. His final role was as Dead Guy Number 1 on March 23rd. <laughs> I did not pre-read that. <laughs> I mean, considering you said a last screen role in 76, I figured he wasn't getting out of that segment alive. Nope. But he had one of those uh, old-fashioned, really long, thin, evil-looking faces. You know what I'm talking about? So he played a perfect bad guy and everything. Nice. All right. Uh, Lee Grinner Pace has been featured in film, stage, and television, and is currently on Halt and Catch Fire. He has appeared in the Twilight series and in the Hobbit trilogy as Thranduil. He played the villain Ronan the Accuser in the film Guardians of the Galaxy and was nominated for a Golden Globe and an Emmy in 2008 for Pushing Daisies. He was born on March 25th. Ronan the Accuser. Yeah, until you got to Thranduil, I had no idea who this dude was. Until I got to Ronan, I didn't. Oh, had you not seen the new Hobbit movies? I own all of them, but I haven't watched them yet, believe it or not. Huh. I, I, yeah, I bought them, because I, I, but I just haven't put them in the... Maybe I saw the first one in the theater enthusiastically, the second one in the theater reluctantly, and the third one at some point later on cable. Because you have to watch the third one, at least, if you've seen the first two. Yeah, but the fact that I waited until it came to free cable should tell you something about and it. And the fact that I used to haven't even watched the DVDs should also tell you something. Benedict Cumbersnatch. It, it, what that tells you is I've heard all about those movies and still haven't watched. I want to watch them because, I mean. The uh, first one's not that bad. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're going to be good. It's just, you know, they're not going to, I'm not going to regret watching them. Well, you won't regret watching the first one. <laughs> I like Martin Freeman. He's good in that role. He is. Yeah. It's anyway, we're not talking about that. <laughs> <Another show. laughs> no, we're talking about the fugitive. <laughs> I don't care. M moving to TV. The bad news bears debuts on March 24th. I didn't even know there was a bad news bears TV show. Hmm. All right, buckle up. <laughs> Looking at this one. Okay, uh, Bianca Jasmine Lawson was born on March 20th, 1979 into a family of considerable musical pedigree, but she herself is a film and TV actress. She is perhaps best known for her regular role in the television series Saved by the Bell, The New Class, Pretty Little Liars, and Rogue, but she has also had recurring roles in Sister, Sister, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Steve Harvey Show, Dawson's Creek, The Secret Life of the American Teenager, The Vampire Diaries, and the acronym of the week, W-O-E-E, -E, which, of course, is Wrath of Elven Erections. <laughs> Speaking of The Hobbit. <laughs> I'll show you my Bilbo. No, that is um, Witches of East End. Ah. She is the daughter of actor Richard Lawson and uh, Denise Nay Gordy. 
to Denise Lawson Negordi. Yeah. Okay. Uh, making her the great niece of Motown founder Barry Gordy, stepdaughter to Lawson's second wife Tina Knowles, and stepsister to singers Beyonce and Solange Knowles. Huh. And sh- that would also make her uh, related to. Wait. No. Whee! I thought there was somebody else uh, in the Gordy family who was really big. The pig. Yeah, there is. I know what you're thinking of. Um, yeah, whatever. Just blanking. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Ronan the Accuser. <laughs> Wee! Born in London on March 20th, Freema Aguiman is known for playing Martha Jones in the series Doctor Who and its spin off series Torchwood. Following her departure from Doctor Who, Aguiman has a star, held a starring role as Alicia Phillips in the crime procedural drama Law and Order UK. In 2013, she made her U.S. television debut on The Carrie Diaries. Aw, free man. Oh. I'm you. a big fan of Martha. I, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say that Joel would definitely know how to pronounce her name correctly. Josh knows. I was gonna say <laughs> if, if if you were incorrect, which I did. I actually I didn't wasn't know. sure I was correct, but I could tell you stumbled a little bit, and I was like, you know, Joel, Joel will know. <laughs> I was like, I have seen her name written so many times. Yes. I have never heard it pronounced. So, <laughs> up my best. <laughs> yeah, I know that uh, in terms of modern companions, a lot of people uh, are feel very strongly, positively or negatively, uh, about Martha Jones. I, I am on the positive side. I agree. Well, she's kind of got the short end of the stick, unfortunately, because sure, followed up uh, Billy Piper, and it was a hard act to follow. Absolutely, Billy Piper was on Doctor Who. I didn't know that. She was the first companion of the new series. I, I'm only, I only know her from, uh, um, damn it, I can't think of the name of the movie, the show, the TV show where she played an escort. Oh, yeah. She's in, uh, oh, damn it. It's not Rippers. That's the, uh, oh, this is going to drive me crazy because Rippers is We're the kind of paper <laughs> RPG that is very much like, uh, we can't think of anything this week. Penny Dreadful. Oh, okay. I know that. Yeah. I was, for one, I was about to ask. Secret Diary hell... of a Call Girl. Damn. Okay. We're back on track. We're good. Wait. Was she also in Secret Diary of a Call Girl? She was, she was the main st- main actress. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, well, she also plays a prostitute in Penny Dreadful. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I assumed you were talking about. Nope. Nope. She was the main, main actress in uh, yep. Secret Diary of a Call Girl. Yeah, but for a moment, I was going to ask if you, you don't know Doctor Who, how the hell do you know Billy Piper? But now we know. Yep. And knowing is half the battle. That's, that, that's, how, I, that's how I knew her. I didn't know she was even on Doctor Who. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's probably the longest running, uh, one of the longest running, and frequently ranked as the most favorite companion. Well, now it makes sense why a lot of people were making such a big deal about her being naked on screen. Indeed. <laughs> Emmett Kelly, one of the most popular circus clowns of all time, became famous for his Weary Willie character, inspired by the Great Depression of the 1950s. Well, that's I, not right. I, I, th- he was popular in the 50s. He was inspired by the Great Depression. I wrote that poorly. Okay, inspired by, inspired the, by great the Great Depression. Depression in the 1950s, he developed a clown. That, that's, that's he that's developed true. a clown in the 1950s that was a sad hobo, unlike all the other happy clowns. His most famous routine was sweeping up at the end of the Ringling Brothers Circus, unable to sweep up the spotlight. His heart swept him off the stage on March 28th, and I should have seen that coming. 
Wait. I was so thrown by the Great Depression of the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I, I, that was worded poorly. No, my fault. Your fault. It's all good. <laughs> weed is a hell of a drug. Your fault. I usually get 90% of the tweed good. You know. You say weed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on to Joel. Sports. <laughs> on March 23rd, Larry Holmes successfully defends his heavyweight boxing title for the second time as he TKOs Asi Ocasio in the seventh round. But do you know who he can't take out? Ronan the Accuser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know who Larry Holmes is. I've never heard of Asi Ocasio. Neither have I. So, oh, that yeah, he was just a, a has been that never won the title. So. Juan Cespedes Uribe Tenya is a Dominican Republican-born professional baseball utility player and journeyman who previously played for the Colorado Rockies, Chicago White Sox, San Francisco Giants, Los Angeles Dodgers, Atlanta Braves, New York Mets, and Cleveland Indians. He was born on March 22nd. Uribe, Uribe. Andale, andale. <laughs> now the second group that we've offended so far this week. Ronan the accuser. <laughs> Third group, I guess, if Ronan has counted as his own. <laughs> I am not a joke. Dance off, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm distracted, you big dummy. On March 24th, at the NCAA Final Four, NBA legend Magic Johnson led his Michigan State Spartans to a 101-67 win over Penn State with a triple-double. Hmm. So this is while he was in college, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yep, he was uh, 19 years old and at the time. Was this a year before he went pro? Yep. Yeah, they went on to they went on to beat Indiana in the, in, uh, in the uh, not the final four, but the um, oh no, in the final four. Yeah, they beat them in the final four. So that would that must have been the final. That would have been the elite eight. I'm sorry. In the final four, they beat it. Uh, Oh no no no! In the in the championship, they beat Indiana. That's that's what it was. Because oh, it was Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson in the championship. Huh. yeah. That I, I've never been into college basketball, but I, I guess I could understand that the year before someone catches the NBA, if they're on one of those college teams, it kind of skews the stats for a year. Yep. And thus ends the tweet. Alrighty, welcome back to 40 Going On 14. This week we are talking about rap and hip-hop, uh, <laughs> history of, and s some of our favorite artists from then and now. Um, the history of is going to be just a short little snippet we'll do, I'm sure, right now. I'm not, yeah. I don't, I don't think we're going to get into like the the crazy, you know, his, you know, full history of it or anything, because there's like actual college courses on it, so. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, over these last decades, it's gotten more and more complex. And I, to be honest, it's not really our story to tell. True. We're just pretty much going to touch on some of our favorite artists, you know. But so this developed as kind of like um, it, it's it's kind of like a combination rap um, it, of jazz and blues and poetry with a backbeat that comes from uh, basically comes from from African tribal music. And later swearing. <laughs> no, they were swearing pretty pretty early on. Uh, but yeah, well, a lot of the really mainstream stuff was pretty clean, though, right, right at the beginning. At least the stuff that was making it uh, up on the TV and breaking out on radio stations. 
Oh yeah, until Public Enemy, yeah. The only thing that 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 white people even knew had to be crystal clear and crystal clean and like yeah, like 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 fucking Jazzy Jeff shit. You know that was okay. as cutting as cutting edge as it got at that point. You know, well, for, for mainstream. I remember when when I was working at the record store and people would come in and they'd be like, "Oh, I like everything but rap," and Val would, you know, ears would perk up and she's like what don't you like about rap? And of course they would go into their diatribe about how it's nothing but gangsters and guns and all this. And she always succinctly put it in the, 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 the simplest terms that it's, it's poetry of the streets. It's modern day, a modern day take on poetry. It's really no different. It's just got music behind it. And I always thought that was a good way to look at it. Yeah. That's always been a weird argument to me. It's like, I don't like vegetables, but the only thing I've ever had is artichokes. Right. It's like saying, I don't like country or Western. That's a joke. Now, that's not saying that we're going to like every single style or just from our perspective, think that we personally find value in every subgenre of rap. And we're not going to go super deep into it because you can, especially in the modern day, you can go into the underground scene and these crazy subgenres. We'll touch on a few of them when we get to the second half of the show. But, uh, don't necessarily assume we don't know about an artist if we don't talk about them. It's just there's only so much time we have, so we're going to try and hit the high points. Well said. I agree with it. I agree this is this is also a music show where normally we spend a significant amount of time playing clips, but we've got a lot of artists to go through, and uh, since Mike's not with us, no ability to play clips. So <laughs> kind of works and out. We we are going to do everyone a favor and not try to to wrap any of these at all. Aww. You hear that, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. This is something we're not doing. <laughs> For the good of everyone. Here, so I, I wrote down here. I wrote down here in the then uh, my first one, DJ Hollywood. Um, are you guys familiar with that name? No, actually. Is he a wrestler? <laughs> he was the official DJ in the 70s and 80s for the Apollo Theater. Hmm. And he pretty much started the modern rap as we know it, uh, kind of, because be while uh, while rap was getting popular in the 70s and, and you know, in the early 70s and then in the late 60s, as an art form, as a street form, as, a, you know, it was, it was more like just... Um, it, it wasn't like fluid lyrics. It was like snippets. It was like verse, like, like like one or two lines, you know, that would somebody would, would, would put in on the microphone over a song while it was playing or whatever, you know, and it was like, you know, people would sample a little bit of a song and make up a little bit of a verse and it wouldn't be like an entire song of its own. Well, he was the guy that in between acts would play the music and he would, he started the, the, the scratching and he started actually like lyrics, you know, like like putting together an entire song that he would rap over an entire, you know, he would play back music and and rap an entire song with with a story from beginning to end. And he was the first one to start doing that. And guys like uh, guys like Rakeem and Big Daddy Kane, Cool Modi, you know, those those are the guys that that took notice of what he was doing and took it mainstream. So you're saying before that it was almost like a, a hype man kind of thing. It was just like little in between stuff. Yeah, it was almost like what Puff Daddy does, you know, or did for um, for for Biggie. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was mostly just that. Okay, 
And from DJ Hollywood, we head into the late 1970s where you've got the luminaries like Sugar Hill Gang. You're going to have Cool Modi at that time, Curtis Blow. Oh, yeah, Curtis Blow. He's not even on the list, is he? Oh, I think we actually yeah, left him off by accident. Oh, man. Sorry, Curtis. Uh, and uh, by 81, rap was at least on the radar enough that you even have uh, Blondie, including the terrible rap section in Rapture. <laughs> She's like, let's just say a bunch of stuff that rhymes with cars that makes no sense. Like guitar. make careers out of that now. We'll get to that <laughs> later. <laughs> but, but yeah, like so, so like um, you got a guy like Big Daddy Kane. He was the first one to introduce the idea of you know a rhyme in a in a verse doesn't necessarily have to be the last word. You could rhyme you know the words in the middle with rhymes with, with words in the middle of the next line, and you know he kind of introduced that whole you know breaking up the lyrics into more than just like you know you know your standard poetry. He he, he started introducing rewriting the poetry does that make sense you know what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah. and we're kind of crossing into the like era into the early 80s where you're talking grandmaster flash uh who else uh cold crush brothers fab five freddy yeah yeah well and something else that we failed to mention is this is a truly american art form oh that's true i mean it's 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 all american and and it's interesting back in the day when you look at like the early uh lyricists that were out there the, it was very straightforward it was very low-key in the most part fairly slow tempo kind of what we would attribute with if we were trying to, to rap today you know my name is joel i like to bowl you know very simplistic how many times do we have to say we're not rapping <laughs> i was an example hang <laughs> don't make me call Rodan the accuser but it's interesting to watch the progression from then and then you listen to some of the stuff now or even somebody like say Eminem who I mean he's not the fastest rapper but at, you know he's very quick and it just it blows my mind how far it's come. Well I mean you could and you, and that's one of the things that that to me was most impressive about a guy like Biggie who was one of the first uh successful uh successful record sell, selling you know what's the word I'm looking for I don't know. Commercially successful. Thank you. He was one of the first commercially successful street rappers, as far as he uh, Yeah, I suppose he, that's true. Yeah, because he got his start, you know, as a, as a sixteen year old, you know, doing street rap battles with with guys, you know, two three times his age who had been doing it, you know, before he was born, and he would and and you know and he was kicking all their asses. Now you said Biggie. Are you talking about Biggie Smalls or Big yeah, Daddy yeah. King? Okay. No, 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 Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, that's what I thought. But since it was jumping so far ahead in the timeline, and Big Daddy Kane is kind of where we're talking about, I was just clarifying. Yeah, I just I just brought him up for the fact that you know Joel was talking about you know how everything got a lot more lyrically uh, flow, whatever that kind of you know, and he was the first one to really become successful at that. Well, and I don't even know if there's that many people that kind of do that original style anymore because it's almost looked at as being uh, not passe but it's you know it's old school so to speak 
Sure. Oh, and that's the thing is like 79 to 84. They, they've actually got these eras of rap. We're talking about old school hip hop, 79 to 84, until we get into the golden age, which is where you start to see a kind of a split between the party rappers and the gangster rap. You're, you're going to have uh, Eric B and Rakim in this era. You're going to have public enemy. Um, you're going to start to see, uh, the acts that are going way mainstream, like, uh, the fat boys, DJ I love the fat, boys. fat boys and run DMC would have been like my earliest exposure to rap music. Well, and, and the fat boys were such a huge crossover. I mean, they, what made two movies, what was it? Disorderlies and, uh, oh, yeah. and, and then of course you had the, the beat street. Uh, with that had i believe cool modi and big daddy kane were in that as well as uh i want to say it was a young beastie boys or something i forget the other group but uh where you start to see it bleed over into the mainstream and it wasn't just kind of you know the teenagers that were listening to it it was becoming a, a marketable thing so that brings up an interesting question josh you mentioned your first exposure to it how did you first kind of get into it then I mean, it was all the super happy, positive stuff. And I, I was pretty much, I, I wouldn't say I was into it as my preferred music of choice, but I listened to it. Uh, I, I want to say that uh, as my musical tastes stopped following trends and stopped following necessarily the people who are in my immediate circle, I went back and listened to some of this stuff and discovered more artists from this era. But at that time, it was just moving through the 80s and into the early nineties, you've got this, or I'm listening to a lot of happy party rap and then like heavy metal, which is an interesting combination. Yeah. It's like, it's all Metallica and Ozzy, except I'm also listening to like the fat boys all the way up through MC hammer, MC light. That explains your love for the judgment day soundtrack. Oh Jesus. <laughs> I hate that thing. Oh, I hate it so much. Like, well, I wish I could claim that I've been uh, like into KRS-One since the early 80s, but I didn't discover him until the 2000s. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think for me, I mean, of course, the Beastie Boys was huge because here's these this party rock slash hip hop rap thing that all the white kids could get into. And um, then, of course, Run DMC was something that was early on for me. But the thing that I'll never forget is I remember my brother had a... a uh, one of those little cases of cassettes, you know, that you would carry around in your car and he stole it from somebody's car. But I <laughs> remember Obviously. seeing, <laughs> yes, I remember seeing in there a copy of um, public enemies, fear of a black planet. And I was curious. So I listened to it and I still remember a lot of the lyrics that I'm not going to repeat because you banned <laughs> me from rapping but that was like yeah, fuck the police that's for your own safety joel yeah <laughs> that was one of my first exposures that there was more than just run dmc and beastie boys and uh you know later on uh, dj jazzy jeff and stuff i mean there was other things out there that people were doing and it was good and and that was kind of my first break into both the mainstream and kind of the more edgier stuff so to speak I'm I'm pretty sure you guys know that I grew up in an area of Houston when I was younger that was not too nice, and we were one of uh, two non uh, families of color on the entire block. And so I was exposed to rap music from a very early age, and I liked it. You know, um, 
from from when I was a kid. You know, I'm one of my best friends on on the street. He uh, introduced me to a lot of the guys like you know the cool Modi and Big Daddy Kane, Public Enemy, and all that kind of you know. So while I would I would not say that I was like you know uh, like hardcore into rap from a kid, I've definitely been. I've definitely liked it and listened to it and been influenced by it musically, you know, because I firmly believe in what Ray Charles said about music is that there's only two types, good and bad. Sure. I'm, I'm not big into genres because I, I like to listen to whatever I like to listen to. And yes, your iPod is proof of that. <laughs> if it appeals to me in whatever way, then, you know, then I'm, I'm I, then that's what I'm going to like. I don't care what the genre is. And I'm a firm believer in that. It's like when people diss on songs because they're too popular or they're, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. If, to me, a good pop song is a good pop song. And same thing qualifies here, very much like what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You bring up an excellent transitional point that is going to take us into a rapper who is not on our list, but who we should talk about. You talk about... Uh, like disrespect the the first diss track was all the way back in 1984 jeez and that would be um well in response to utfo's roxanne roxanne which you guys may have heard mm -hmm. well roxanne roxanne was actually uh a uh it was a diss track talking about a girl and marley marl uh called his response song Roxanne's Revenge and a young rapper uh, who called herself Shantae, Roxanne Shantae, uh, did a response to that, that the band uh, was coming on to her uh, uh, being all sleazy a uh, whole bunch of times and she turned them down because they weren't good enough for her. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, I, I didn't know there was a response song. Yeah, Roxanne uh, Shantae was uh, born Lita Shantae Gooden, and she was a 15-year-old MC in 84. Well, I guess you could see how successful that retort was. I've that was a fun, that was a fun, I remember that, though. You do I remember, remember it? I don't remember it. Yeah, I had a copy of it on cassette. <laughs> Yeah, Ironically enough, but I forgot about it. I totally forgot about that. I only knew about it because of its place in history. It's one of those things that pops up occasionally. It's like, hey, you you hear about all these great rap uh, beefs. Well, these are the first ones, and like all of the early ones involve Marley Marl. I mean, he got into it with KRS One in the early eighties. I'm looking at the list here, and you know, I remember. Um, when I went to Korea and this is a weird trend a weird way to bring this up. But when I was there, I remember buying some music and there were these vendors on the street that would sell bootleg cassettes. And <laughs> two of the cassettes I bought, well, well, I bought uh Paul Abdul's one of her albums, but I also bought uh ice tea rapper. <laughs> Right, no, but I'm just trying to give a little <laughs> comparison to what else I was listening to. That and the Batman soundtrack. Um, I was <laughs> this was '89, so I bought uh, Ice T's "Let's Get," but you know that one, and uh, NWA's uh, "Straight Out of Compton." And I remember listening to that album and feeling like, man, I'm being targeted here in some way. <laughs> 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 I, I did it, it, here it, it in Kansas City. I do not feel like this resonates at all. <laughs> I mean, but it's it's interesting though because you could it, it was that powerful that you could feel kind of 
the the it was the almost a palpable anger that came out of that, that exactly movie. and it that's the point i was it was exactly what i was making was that it was the first time i'd listened to music and actually had a visceral response to it and uh, to me that endeared me to the album because i was like wow if you can get this kind of reaction from somebody's music that's saying something this is important. And you, you honestly and and you were that's a that's a little microcosm of almost what happened around the country when that album hit because there was just a ton of people out there that just just had no idea what was going on in in you know in the life of a black man in compton and like that and boys of the hood boys in the hood came out all around the same time and suddenly like you know there were white people all around the country going holy shit there's fucked up stuff going on yeah <laughs> Um, this whole, this period lasts a really long time. They, they talk about this as the golden age from, uh, 1986 to 1993. So you're basically talking from run DMC all the way to Snoop Dogg. So this is a really long, uh, period that's going to have a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Two live crew is going to be in here. Biz Marquis is going to be in here. Um, <laughs> uh, Let's see. Uh, Digital Yellow. Underground, De La Soul, Salt and Pepper. I see yep. you got Young MC on there. Um, Ghetto Boys. Oh. oh, yeah. Of course, Ice Cube and Ice T. Oh, geez, I left off King and T. Who's well, there's just there's so goddamn many names. Yeah. Uh, King T. Uh, it was a West Coast rapper. Uh, started with the Alcoholics. Uh, I've got one of his tracks on my uh, i on my uh, yeah on my iTunes <laughs> from his uh, first album uh, uh, "Act a Fool." Uh, it's his first single is "Payback's a Mother," and that's the one I've got. Well, and this is where you saw that that big divide between what was on the radio and what was you know people were listening to that didn't want to listen to what was on the radio. So heading down through the alphabet, LL Cool J, of course. The LL, you guys know what the LL stands for, right? You'd think I would. Ladies love Cool J. Nice. <laughs> and they still do. <laughs> He's a handsome young, uh, a handsome older man. Yeah, I was going to say young. With that. <laughs> I, I, I messed up. <laughs> the MC's hammer, light and shan. <laughs> Uh, naughty by nature, and of course NWA, who we've talked about already. Public MC enemy. Hammer, MC Hammer being the first guy to really mainstream the 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 phrase or the title of MC. I'm pretty sure MC Hammer was also the first rap album that I actually bought, and I'm pretty convinced now it was a bootleg. Hmm. Thinking back on it, I'm pretty sure it was a taped cassette because I bought it at a county fairground. And I think uh, like six months after I got it, I noticed like the tape cover had been photocopied. <laughs> like it was color, but it wasn't like, yeah. See, and the bootlegs I bought were in black and white. That's how classy they were. But they were only two bucks, so I can't complain. And of course, this is Queen Latifah. Uh, there's probably a whole, maybe two generations of people that didn't know that she was started as a rapper. Yeah. Uh, Salt and Peppa, of course. Lil Kim, we don't have her on here. Uh, was she Golden Age? Uh, well, she was around when uh, with with Biggie. She was part of his posse. 
Well, I and that's the thing is Biggie Smalls yeah. would have been post ninety three. Yeah, I was just about to say, so that puts her a little too far away, I guess. So yeah, yeah. once we get into the next shift. Yeah, we're talking too short, young MC. Oh, too short. Holy crap. Uh <laughs> slick Rick and Special Ed. When when did uh when did Skilo was that, that was, that was that later was too, 90, right? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that was when we were in college. I'm trying to think of any names we might have missed on this list. But I remember too short my uh the one of the guys that my brother used to run with, he took me to school every day after my brother got kicked out of high school. And uh he played too short. <laughs> Life is every single day on the way to school. I know that album backwards and forwards. Damn. Every day. And he had those big ass speakers in the trunk that made the whole car go boom. <laughs> well, my sister was a fan of Houdini, so I heard Houdini a few times. Oh my gosh. So was the my freaks, The freaks come out at night. That was a. Oh my goodness. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's on my iTunes as well. Yep. Um, oh, um, what was the guy's name? Frank, Frankie something. He did the double Dutch bus. Remember that song? Oh, geez. Yes, that I came, do. That came on my iPod shuffle yesterday when I was, when I was in the shower and I was like, ah, double Dutch bus was Frankie Smith. That's the reason Frank you're having a hard time remembering him. That's yeah. <laughs> it's such a unique name. Too plain. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he's, he's in that early period right before the golden age. And he was one of the first. He would. Um, he was one of the first rap rappers I ever saw on MTV. The Double Dutch Bus song. I did not this, know that. Yeah, this was before uh, Yo MTV Raps. So we get into the late '90s, where you've got the established party rappers, your MC Hammer, and uh, then you've got kind of the East Coast West Coast divide coming out where you've got biggie smalls you've got uh pock you've got uh of course snoop dog and right. what well, you think about well dre after nwa i mean dre kind of started bringing up the new kids well he became m m known more as yeah producer right well don't i mean you don't you can't dismiss the chronic as a classic album but yeah that's he was great, that's a great album i listen to that one like fucking all the time in high school but i mean he brought so many people so many people up and after the nba split happened i mean cube went on to be absolutely huge easy e, of course was another one that was a staple in high school um and like i said the west coast east coast split you know when you had wu-tang clan and i mean Oh yeah, who? How did I forget about Wu Tang Clan? Because yeah, like right after the Golden Age, they release an album that's called The Next Golden Age. And I've never course, been a big Wu Tang fan myself. So you See, consider yourself more of a West Coast rapper? Actually, kind of. I do really. <laughs> I mean, even though I really like B, uh, even though I really like Biggie Smalls, I do lean towards the West Coast. Because if I got to pick a favorite rapper, it's it's Snoop. For, for I mean, and that's an easy pick. I I love his music. I love his style. Really? I love his I love his flow. I love his lyrics. I I I like just about everything he's ever done. Huh? I didn't know that. Yeah, I can I can sing just about any Snoop song. Sing. I'm kind of surprised. I mean, not that he's like a really obscure or bad choice. It's just like a lot of people would say Tupac or Biggie. Well, I, I just I, I like I like everything about Snoop. I, I mean, he's 
he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a guy that doesn't take himself too seriously. And that comes across in his music, even, even in his, you know, when he was young, I mean, unless you want to go all the way back to, you know, uh, to, to his first album, he's got a sense of humor in his writing. Well, and he's super charismatic. Yeah. 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 I mean, you just see him and you want to be like, I want to hang out with you, Snoop. And he's, and he's very intelligent. Got a good sense of humor. He's, I like him a lot. So you can't use that weed as a hell of a drug thing then, Pat. Oh, you sure can. If you've ever seen <laughs> on Reddit, uh, there's a feature called Ask Me Anything. And <laughs> Snoop, rel- uh, every once in a while, will do one. And the funniest thing is when Snoop asks himself a question, gets high and two hours later answers it. <laughs> I say gets high as though he's not high the entire time. Right. Well, when I was at the record store, um, Jason, who worked there, loved the Wu-Tang Clan. So I kind of got indoctrinated into that whole uh, East Coast thing. And then he liked a lot of the kind of more, I'm trying to think of uh, the Nas and, um, God, who was his favorite? Uh, Drawing a blank now. And is it Cool Keith and some of the more slightly more obscure ones, but I was always a fan of, of Method Man and Red Man, especially their album together, Blackout. That's a great record from the late 90s. Yeah, I, could, I, go, oh, ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, you could make a pretty good case for Nas being one of the best of all time. I was just going to say that, that Wu-Tang isn't one of those things where I believe that the individual records are better than the group record, which normally, is, in my opinion, is the other way around. But I like Method Man on his own. I like Nas okay on his own. Nas isn't part of Wu Tang. No, he's a he was a collabor- frequent collaborator with them, but not. Right. Oh, okay. Well, he, it, it went comma and then Nas. So I thought maybe that was just. A oh, yeah, no. Because I don't know who all the members are. Okay, well then maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. Then never mind. All right. Uh, well, we can I run down like ODB for instance. I don't like any of his. You know, uh, I, 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 like, I like one song of his, but that's you know anyway. Okay, from ODB, you've also got RZA, Jizza. Method Man, Raekwon, Ghostface Killer, Inspector Deck, You God, Master Killer, and Capadonna, who came in later. Right. They had a, I mean, they had a huge kind of uh, family outside of that that would collaborate. And then when they went on their own, you know, they would still work together. And, and the RZA, I mean, he's gone on to be a pretty big name just on his own as a, a producer and, um, of course, an actor. filmmaker and actor, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't kidding when uh, he named the, the group Wu-Tang Clan. The dude is is kung fu master, like movie. He loves those kung fu movies. All well, of and their business model was also crazy, just simultaneously having everybody have like a solo record contract in addition to the group contract. And it's obviously worked for just about all of them. Yeah, very, very smart business savvy in terms of marketing and everything for sure well then it's talking about that segues nicely into master p a horrible rapper <laughs> the guy yeah. knew how a dancer to... i don't know if you ever saw dancing with the stars <laughs> no he dances I... like frankenstein so. but i mean he he kind of and i wrote it in the notes here but he introduced he kind of brought on the dawn of the the major indie labels so he was producing his own records under no limit records turned that into an empire which made movies and uh, had 
prepaid phones and a sex line and all this stuff. And then he was just releasing album after album with those crappy uh, album covers that are now kind of a, a joke. Um, but he just blew up and was huge. And it, he had a whole stable of artists that we're not listening here, but the dude, uh, the dude knew how to make money. Well, and this is actually a, a, probably a pretty good transition to talk about uh, Dr. Dre post NWA and Ruthless Records. And, and to, because we're in that era when we're talking Death Row Records, where he has taken his producer status and just gone beyond his origins as a rapper. And uh, this is where you're going to get Eminem. Uh, of course, he produced Doggy Style. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he he uh, constantly appear on tracks, and, and not just on rap tracks, but on like uh, R and like he appeared on No Diggity from Black Street. Well, it, it started the whole um, the whole like rap house feud. You know, like like people it, signing a label was more than just like this is who represents me. It's like, this is my life. This is my everything. You know, it was almost like the, the labels were, were many gangs in themselves. Well, and he, he went on to become, I mean, again, an, another household name that used his, his uh, credibility to branch off into other marketable things. Like, you know, of course the, the headphones, the beats by Dre thing uh-huh. um, along with, you know, death or uh, yeah. Death row records and, Everything else, I mean, he just seemed like he could do no wrong at this period. The Beats by Dre was later, but yeah. Know. Well, and we're closing in on our break period because while Eminem had his first two labels out, him being signed by Dre was the turning point in 1999 for basically his third album, which was his blow up, which is after the break, our, our break for now, which we typically call year 2000. So, what else do would if anything, do we have to say about this period post golden age, but before our break between like 93 and 99? I never realized exactly how much rap I was listening to as a kid <laughs> <laughs> until just now when I was, when we were talking about it, I'm like, man, I really did listen to a lot of rap. Well, more than what we talked about, but I listened to a, a, a much more back then than I do now. See, I find myself not necessarily, I, I keep myself aware of some of the newer stuff. And if there's something interesting to say or a great beat, I'll listen to it. But I, I'm more interested in looking back to stuff I missed. And a lot of the modern stuff that I like is actually going to be a little off the beaten path. It's going to be independent artists from different cities around the United States. I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually glad that you guys knew more about the, the then because I was afraid I was going to have to carry the whole thing. So <laughs> now we're going to get into the break and then we're all going to be struggling just a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely going to be struggling in the now because I don't listen to a whole lot of, of modern rap anymore. Modern rap and modern country are, are my, unless you want to lump R and modern R and B in with modern rap. They're my least favorite genres. So of wait, music. are we going to talk about cowboy Troy? <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, me too. Big Smo instead. <laughs> and on that note, 
yeah, I, I think we're ready to go to the break. And when we come back, we're going to do our best to uh, give our partially informed view of Rap Post 2000. Welcome to Intermission. <laughs> Intermission. to talk about rap music and hip-hop music in the now so right on the border we've got uh we already mentioned eminem but there's two other pretty important artists who are just crossing that 99 to 2000 boundary uh i'm talking about most deaf and immortal technique not everybody at once now. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it. Most Def is one of my favorites. I get a ton of his stuff on my iPod. Saw him in concert with uh, Talib Kweli when they were uh, together as Red Star. Um, nice. And it was, it was a great concert, a lot of fun. Um, so I'm a big fan of his. I like him as an actor, too. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I remember listening to him at the, at the record store, but... It never, never settled in with me particularly. He's got some of the best lyrics out there, I think. I mean, he, he and Talib together are, are two of the top ten. I'd say they're easily in the top ten all time for just their lyrics, like how you know how well they write. And them together, I think they they put the, they, they they have a lot of really social con, a lot of really good social socially conscious content in their music. Well, and that's the thing is between social consciousness and really tight writing. That's something that most deaf and immortal technique both have in common. Right. And, uh, for people who haven't heard of immortal technique, uh, is a, uh, a Peruvian rapper from Harlem. And he's gotten into a lot of activism and making sure that the history of rap all the way back is preserved. Uh, he has one of the things that he's got, uh, to himself is he's got a, a rap quotable. He had it even before he was signed. He's the only person to, uh, to get a quotable. What does that uh, mean? I was just going to ask that. I'm not, I'm not familiar with it. Are you? Looking uh, yeah, I, I was, I, I noted that on his, uh, on his bio that he was the only rapper in history to have a hip hop quotable while being unsigned. And then I was looking for the significance of the term and it is impossible to Google for because <laughs> you get all of the quotable <laughs> rap lyrics. I guess the world will never know. Yeah, if uh, somebody knows, uh, give us a call or shoot us an email because it was something that's on his bio page and something that's on his Wikipedia page. I could tell I, I, you had either lost connection or I had stepped in something for you. When no, I, I realized when I said it's like, shit, they're going to ask for a follow-up, and I don't have one. 
Yeah, he is also featured in uh, Ice T did a documentary uh, in 2012 called The Art of Rap. Uh, Immortal Technique, Kanye, who we're going to talk about a little bit, Nas, Eminem, Cool Keith, like a lot of these guys were in that uh, documentary. Okay, <laughs> I was hoping someone would pick it up from there. Yeah, I was like, I was waiting for anything, but no. Uh, all right, I, I thought maybe you had more to say or something, but no, nothing ever happened. So well, I was just looking at the list and trying to figure out how to segue into the next. <laughs> all right, so uh, moving on and into you know in, into the immediately current people that are still active even as of now. <laughs> nothing happened between two thousand and two thousand fifteen. <laughs> nothing at all. Good day to you. <laughs> well, I figured you'd start off with Eminem since he he bridged. Yeah, Eminem, Eminem is the definitely the, one, the 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 biggest bridge of the gap, and still to this day, one of the biggest rappers in the game. Well, and he kind of he kind of uh, brought a lot of the two different sides of rap together because it, he was well respected as a lyricist on his own. But then once he hit the radio, every kid in the country knew who he was, and so all of a sudden you had this person who had street cred that was also extremely popular. And he's still recognized by, by many in the business as the best in the business. Sure. And we are totally getting into the era where you're uh, going to be talking about guys like Busta Rhymes, uh, early, uh, Kanye, um, early CeeLo even. Well, right. People don't think of him in that context anymore, but yeah, for sure. I just try not to think of him period. <laughs> you afraid he's going to eat you? No, I just don't like him. Oh, oh, well you're wrong. No, <laughs> I, I don't like him. No, I'm a big fan of Gnarls Barkley in general. And I like a lot of his solo stuff and fuck you was an awesome song. I don't like that song. I don't, I think it's highly overrated. Nah. He, I, I think he is the Brussels sprouts of rap music. If we're going to stick, if we're going to stick with the vegetable medley thing, <laughs> plus he collaborated with uh, Danger Doom, which automatically uh, brings him up. He's got and, tinier hands than Donald Trump. Well, and and Goody Mob, you can't like. <laughs> I just uh, if I know we're not going to get too far into the independent rappers, but uh, Danger Doom, which is the combination of MF Doom and Danger Mouse, I, I'm a big fan. They're they're more hip hop than rap. I'm not familiar with them. Um, I'm to look them up. Yeah, I, I you'll kind of back end your way into MF Doom through nerdcore, but they're a couple steps towards uh, mainstream hip hop from nerdcore. Hmm. And uh, these guys did a lot of collaborations, both like on their own and together with stuff like Adult Swim. So you you will see uh, a, a like the Aqua Teen Hunger Force guys making appearances on the albums, and we're talking about the right era, so we're not completely off track here. <laughs> right, we're still well, talking uh, about like early two thousands. And like you were saying, you're mentioning some there some other ones in there like DMX and uh, I I threw Ludic Ludicrous out there just because it was the first name I thought of. No, that's um, a good one. Yeah, DMX and Ludo would be this time. And again, there there were people that had big crossover success on the radio. They weren't just, you know, the 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 
mixtapes that you could buy on the corner. These were actual artists that were, and they, you know, then they segued that into an acting career and, and everything else. So it became very mainstream at this point, like in a different way though. Well, and a lot of these guys that we're talking about had a career in the 1990s, but no one knew who they were until after our break period. Uh, like the Guinness Book of World Records, world's fastest rapper. There's a Chicago guy named Twista. I remember <laughs> everybody coming in looking for his stuff at the record store. Yeah, he got the, the record in 92 and about how most of his career has been after our break. I've never been a big fan of like the ultra fast rapping. I, because I mean, like, like I've said a couple of times, I'm more into the lyrics and everything. So if I can't understand them, I, I don't have a whole lot of use for it. If personally. you've got the chop style and it is done in these little uh, bursts where you can understand every word, like a twist to our bone thugs, I find it very impressive. Well, cause it I'm, just the, the thought process that has to go into it your mind has to be firing on all cylinders. And that's another band group. I don't really care for too much is bone thugs. I never like, did. I can understand not being into them, but I, I would hope you'd at least appreciate the skill that goes into, especially the fast bits. In the yeah, I mean, style. I, I, it, it's definitely, you know, something that I can't do and I can understand. I, I can definitely appreciate the skill of it, but I mean, there's, you know, other things I can't do and appreciate the skill of that. I don't necessarily enjoy. <laughs> you know, who can though? Ronan the Agusa. <laughs> um, and it's back to being well, funny again. But I mean, there's there's a lot of those artists where I can appreciate what they're doing, but it just the, the like Tom, Tom Waits is the same type of you know, artist. You know, I can appreciate everything about him, but doesn't mean I like him. Tom Waits drops a mean diss track, <laughs> dude. And Pat, you're wrong. Um, no, I'm kidding. Tom Waits is one of those things that is an acquired taste. But anyway, yes, definitely back to rap. Back to rap. Well, I guess we are sort of starting to move into the young money era because we're going from mid to late uh, 2000s where you're going to see guys like Tech 9 and uh, Lil Wayne coming on the scene. Well, you want to talk about kind of an independent underground. I mean, Tech 9 straight out of Kansas City. That hometown boy. Well, yeah, he started out doing horrorcore. I'm, I'm pretty sure. And now he's, I mean, he's, he's a big deal, but he's never really had that huge kind of crossover success in, in the bigger picture. Sure. Well, there are a lot of guys like that that are finally getting their first like verse that somebody has heard of as a guest verse on something. I'm trying to think of who was just on. Uh, uh, it might have been the Ray Sessermund, uh track that we were talking about when we did our top forty. Or are you thinking of Paul McCartney on the on the Kanye track? Yes, no one had heard of Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice segue, Pat. Touch or not segue? That was a nice little. No, shut up, Joel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's our Joel. Get over here. <laughs> that joke will make sense later. <laughs> spoilers for the stinger now <laughs> watch it not even be the stinger uh, no. <laughs> well uh well and eminem we were talking about that we didn't mention d12 which was his 
group that he oh yeah had, yeah which i have both of their albums and that was one of the ones that was on eminem i i, I bought eminem stuff and listened to that pretty regularly uh when it came out and then i followed into the d12 stuff and bought those first two albums and listened to those pretty religiously for for quite a while Oh yeah, it was Gucci. I was trying to think of that. Uh, we're going to talk about when we hit trap that uh, he'd been doing all this stuff for years, and people had heard of Gucci Mane, but uh, he didn't get his big crossover until we get to Black Beatles, which is still top forty right now, top ten right now. And I'd heard the name, but I I knew nothing about him until I think. I mean, I don't think I'd ever heard him until recently either. So that case in point. Well, I think you kind of all had to be in a certain, uh, I don't know, either into a certain scene or around high school kids at the right time to be, uh, so uh, to be into young money and be aware of all of that kind of stuff. Cause you got the YouTube rappers coming out at this point, uh, including one of my least favorite rappers of all time. I just added Soldier Boy. Oh he, Jesus! Yeah, he started on YouTube, and he is YouTube, and he probably should have stayed there. <laughs> but this is going to be the time where you're seeing young Jeezy, young Thug. Uh, we ready to talk about trap if we must? Oh boy, if we must. I guess so. Pat, you probably <laughs> know the most about it as a style. Yeah, trap is uh it, it kinda it kinda got its start by the whole um purple drink movement, you know, like getting as fucked up as you could while while still being able to get on stage. And like these guys started just getting to the point where they were like like it became a competition to see how fucked up you could get and still perform. And then also and then it's that somehow turned into an art form now where it's and it's called it it's got its own thing called trap rap. Or you know, where, where it's literally almost almost just incomprehensible what, what what these guys are saying, and I don't even really know how to describe it other than it's just um, very very slurred. Like you, you uh, they they make very strong effort to to not even bother keeping with a, with with. I mean, it's all flow, and there's not any 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 lyrics to it. It's all about the flow, all about the sounds, all about the rhythm. And and the lyrics are very secondary, because I mean there's 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 a song that's very one of the most popular trap songs of all time is called Panda, and there's literally just a point of the song where he just going Panda 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 Panda. <laughs> <Express. And> then, <laughs> that's that's actually just part of the song. I mean he's you know, the rest of the song he's actually rapping about you know all the all the bitches he has all over the place and all this kind of stuff. But there's just there's there's part of the song where the literally the only lyrics are just you just hear the beat and him he just go panda 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 over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> and Broccoli, you know, the, oh, with, with little Yachty, Big Baby Dram, same thing. They have a part of the song where they're just you know singing about you know broccoli. I mean broccoli is is slang, but I mean it's still that like that that's. Now I want so, broccoli beef. From Panda Express. Now, see, this is this is the movement that I, I hate the most. I just dislike this, and I didn't even know originally what it was called until we did the the Billboard show. I just was calling it lazy rap because I hadn't heard that term, um, and it just I don't get it. 
Well, it's called Trap Rack because, as as we know from the from the one top forty show we did with um, Fetty Wap, yeah, Fetty Wap. You know, a, a a trap house is you know a crack house, a meth house, a flop house. You know, a place where you know people hang out to just get fucked up and everything. And trap rap is popular there because everybody's fucked up, so they don't necessarily even care about listening to the words. They're just feeling the beat and feeling the rhythm, and you know, so. The lyrics are definitely, definitely secondary, if not even, you know, not not even really considered much. And if we learned anything from that Billboard show, is that Joel liked Fetty Wap, but didn't understand what Trap Queen meant. <laughs> well, and we've talked a bit about how we don't care for Trap and why we don't, and, and the fact that despite the fact they are mumbling a lot and since all of us seem to appreciate type tight lyrics, they do have excellent beats. And in some ways their beats are better than the rest of anyone else who's rapping. And and they have to be, because, you know, if that's all you're going to rely on, you'd better, it better be good. And, and it really, I mean, I can understand its popularity because it is good, fun party music because you don't have to listen. You don't have to concentrate. It's just in the background there while you're just getting fucked up while, while, you know, the, the person who's singing is getting fucked up, you know, so. Well, and now Trap has got kind of its other offshoots. Uh, the only one that I think we're going to talk about is going to be Drill. Um, I want to talk about Drill because it's something that started here in Chicago. Uh, guy, Chief Keef, basically, it's an incredibly violent, takes uh, starts at Trap, is maybe not as uh, unstructured as loose, but a lot of Trap stuff is, uh, you don't think about it too hard, kind of party rap whereas this is ultra violent gangster rap in the trap style and that's drill i thought you were going to mention mumblecore at first oh no we kind of talked about mumblecore but i don't know drill i've never heard that yeah i mean unless you're in chicago or into like the twitter uh gangsters who are literally killing each other in the streets over tweets you probably uh, wouldn't be aware of drill, hmm. but yeah, chief Keefe, uh, was, is pretty much the best known name, uh, in that particular subgenre. And I think he's been doing stuff since like 2012. So yeah, that's enough about trap rap as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> because really, I mean, we we're not experts on it and we're just gonna shit on it. So I mean at least yeah. we've touched on it. It's not targeted at us. Right. And that's fine. Like I, I'm always surprised when I hear opinions about what's going on in rap from other artists who I think I am more highly of, like Donald Glover's childish Gambino. He'll talk about some of the stuff going on in trapping. He's like, This is an awesome song. And I'm thinking Man, I, I respect you, but I have no idea what you're talking about. You're hearing <laughs> something I'm not. Right. Or you give it a second chance and see whether maybe uh, you missed something. So, yeah, speak, speaking of Childish Gambino, he's a, um, a one that all three of us actually like. Yeah. The boy's got skills. For those of you that don't know, uh, Childish Gambino is the alter ego of uh, Donald Glover, the actor from uh, Community and... Uh, he's been in what else? He's been in Interstellar. The Martian. Oh, the Martian, not Interstellar. Yeah, the yeah. Martian. So yeah, he's been in a couple different things. He's a young and up and coming rapper and actor, and so um, he's, he's, he's the place. yeah, he, he's he's very good at uh, freestyling. I don't know if you've ever watched a video of him. Uh, 
he's been on a couple different radio shows where he's just straight up freestyle and and he's about to be Lando Calrissian in the Han Solo movie. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. That's yeah, right. Everywhere right now. We should yeah. roll back time a little bit and talk about Fifty Cent. Oh yes, please do. Oh, and by the way, uh, we did forget one major act, so don't yell at us. Uh, I'm just going to say we forgot to talk about a tribe called Quest. Now <gasps> I've mentioned them. We're moving on. Oh no! How Never heard we... of them. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, right? Yeah, rhymes in life is oh my god so yeah we we forgot to mention them we have mentioned them please forgive uh, us <laughs> and the roots oh yeah Son of a bitch. so i was supposed to transition to something else but i got lost in a tribe called quest <laughs> 50 cent you were going to talk about him and how he got shot a lot oh yeah i, I am not a fan of curtis jackson uh i like in the club that's a fun song yeah, and he is a great aggressive self marketer. Yes, but uh, apparently he even stole his rap name from somebody else in Queens. He's he, he's no Gene Siemens though. Uh, apparently, <laughs> the neighborhood he grew up in, he's not even allowed into anymore. Wow! Like he'll be shot again. Yeah, how many times has he been shot already? Something like sixteen. Uh, it's several times at least. Well, and part of that is because he made his career on the back of getting into beef with other people. And if you're going to do that, eh, you better be prepared to face the music. No pun intended. Okay, all pun intended. But yeah, he's he's also got a video game out there. And he's, he's been in a couple movies. Several movies. Including one about his life. He died. Give him credit. I mean, he he made a name for himself. Yeah, he is successful. Yes. I, I can't see why, but he's successful. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I don't see why either, but you're right. Speaking of successful, though, you've got Kanye West. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should probably talk about Kanye. Like, in any context except his music, I would not be eager to talk about Kanye. He's he's one of those guys that some of his songs I really love, and but most of them I don't like. Like I, I I I don't. There's not a whole lot of Kanye stuff that I feel indifferent about. I either really like or really don't like it. And he, he is great at crafting entire album. And that that's part of the problem. I don't think I don't think I've ever heard an, a, a Kanye album from start to finish. I don't think I've ever heard a Kanye anything. Really? Yeah. I mean, all, all I ever heard about him was you know everything that they'd, they'd say on the news and, and, you know, various entertainment reports or Facebook or wherever that I just tuned out. And I'm like, I don't even know if I want to hear his music, but I keep hearing positive things about it. If you were, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you were to listen to one album, start to finish, uh, and it's probably one of the better ones put together as an album, start to finish, it would probably be, uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. It's his fifth album. He he's a genius. He's not as much of a genius as he thinks he is, and as a person, I don't much care for him. I don't think anybody's as much of a genius as Kanye thinks he is. But he is very talented. Uh, I recommend the song uh, "Jesus Walks." Look that one up. That's probably my favorite Kanye song. Watch, I'll I'll go and I'll be like, oh, I know this song. I've heard this somewhere. No, I don't think you have. Not that one, but just a song. 
Yeah, maybe. I, well, you probably have heard power because it's been sampled on every trailer for everything in the last two years. Right? Yeah. If, if you've <laughs> ever seen an advertisement for anything, <laughs> you yeah, you've heard at least the hook for power. Oh, that was what was in that Burger King commercial. Okay. <laughs> this burger gives me power. I don't know how the song goes. <laughs> uh, it's like no one should have all that power. They're always doing it like for something political or whatever. I swear you must have heard it because it's getting it to the is, point where there are articles. This generation's uh, Beatles revolution. Basically. Yes. So basically what you're saying is despite his personal things, he's got the skills to back up a lot of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's an asshat for sure, but he's a talented asshat. Yeah. He's a, an excellent rapper and he's a brilliant producer. Hmm. And he's a good lyricist. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 there, he, he's a little bit surreal, but I mean, he, his lyrics are very strong. I mean, that's the reason why you'll have uh, a lot of us who have been listening to rap for a long time who'll hear somebody like Lil Wayne, and despite the fact that he works harder than anybody, I don't have a whole lot of respect for Lil Wayne because his rhymes are terrible. <laughs> yes, they are. And you've got somebody like Kanye, where he is an excellent lyricist, uh, even if I don't like him personally and I, I don't respect him much, I can't deny the fact that he's excellent at what he does. I agree with that. And and that's fine. I mean, that that's respectable that if you can, despite all of that, still respect the skills. I mean, nothing wrong with that. He's no Puff Daddy, but we we didn't mention Puff Daddy, and I had to say it just because we we're oh, talking about we didn't mention Sean Combs, and we're kind of moving out of the Puff Daddy, uh, Big Sean, who's in our list, but we didn't talk about either that sort of era. Yeah, it was kind of a weird time, but uh, then you start to get into. I keep seeing two chains on this list, and I I don't get it. When two Janes started out, I don't know if his first name was Titty Boy. <laughs> That's Pat's name. <laughs> Not because he has him, but because he likes him. Well, now it's both. Aww. That's that's one of his tracks, and yeah, he was he was named Titty Boy for a while. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> of that before. Uh, I've only heard maybe I think two songs, and I just I. You know, there's there's a lot of great stuff out there, and then you hear something, and I don't know. I guess everything's got its good and bad, and you got it. You got to be able to to have an open mind and and listen to it all because there is some good stuff out there. Um, especially after watching Luke Cage, you know, I've caught on to some new stuff that you know proves that there's still well, uh, like Kendrick Lamar is somebody that I really like right now. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar. Uh, you're talking about Luke Cage. Jadena is the man. Yes. Not familiar with that. Uh, oh, you haven't seen Luke Cage yet. Uh, you yeah. need to see. Uh, I think it's like early. It's like episode three where he does Hail, Hail to, the, to Chief. the Chief. I that song was on rotation. I I literally would just loop it because it's only like the version I have is only like two and a half minutes. But talk about a great song. It is so good. Yeah. And I didn't know if we were going to talk about him because I didn't know if he was relevant. But I mean, that, yeah, that, it, well, the whole show soundtrack is awesome. But um, are you guys familiar with a, uh, a guy named Hobson? 
No. He's uh, he's becoming popular now. He's an, uh, uh, like a new generation social commentary rapper. I gotta, I'll got i post a link to one of his videos. Is that your rap name, Pat? Yes, it's me in disguise. It's me, it's me in blackface. Yeah, well, we should go on tour because I'm dude, <laughs> We got three quarters of the way through the rap tour without anyone saying something like blackface. You have to do it now? I was so good for so long. But Texas just bubbled up. <laughs> oh, I must be done. I'm boiling over. <laughs> That's what that smell was. Awesome. Texas. All right. So should we talk a little bit about Kendrick Lamar? Yeah, you were starting to, and then Pat got offensive. So I mean my job. He is one of the best in the game right now. He's uh Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Christ. Uh definitely a heavy influence from some of the immediately post Golden Age rappers. Uh Tupac, Biggie, Jay Z. Uh, once yeah, again, we keep either. we keep citing Nas. DMX. Oh yeah, DMX. We talked about DMX briefly. Yeah. Well, he, uh, DMX, DMX is probably DMX actually scares oh. me. Like he, he's he, he like he is a person. I I I'm I'm, I'm physically afraid of him. Uh, you would just hope not to be in his radar, but he is one of the biggest influences on Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. And he's another guy that came up similar to the way Lil Wayne did with uh, constantly releasing these mixtapes until somebody notices. So, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Want to move on to the top 40? Yeah, we should move on to some, some more mainstream stuff. Not that Kendrick Lamar isn't top 40. He's not... Not enough. I mean, he's he, he's only been top forty as a featured artist. He hasn't made it on his own yet. I don't think I don't think he has a song of his own. Oh, I, I, mean, I might be wrong opinion. about that. But. I know who opts now. I've seen that. Tra- I've seen that video. All right. Well, you've got Rick Ross, uh, possibly the worst person in rap. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, talk yeah. you uh are afraid of DMX. Having just said that out loud, I hope that Rick Ross never hears that and never figures out who I am. Because this dude is fucking frightening. I agree. Yeah, in in general, his career has been marked by violence. I don't think you need to worry about it. I think he's in jail and going to be staying there. He ran somebody over on videotape. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, as uh what's his face? Um oh god, uh he's got a long reach. Um the guy that they modeled Kingpin after, basically. Um Suge Knight. <laughs> yeah, that no talk about as, as long as long as he stayed out of jail, Rick Ross will probably stay out of jail too. Yeah, looks. Uh, is he currently in? No, I don't think he is. But I was just looking to see my. I was just on Wikipedia here. But he's another one of those guys that had one hit song and turned that into a uh, a production career that he's now you know a multimillionaire. Well, again, yeah, he's he's another guy who's uh, beefed with Fifty Cent. Yeah, I was just reading that too. 
but who hasn't at this point? I mean, well, I've even had a beef with Fifty Cent at this point. There's a no. That, mo- that movie was horrible. So I had a steak him with him once. It's kind of <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a steakum. Steakums. <laughs> now Josh wants steakums. I kind of do too. I hadn't thought about steakums in a long time. But yeah. they're not even good. No, but they're, there's something about them. They're microwavable and cheap. And they're fun to say. Speaking anyway. of microwavable and cheap. No, we're not talking please, about Mike Macklemore. <laughs> please send us steakums. Macklemore is the steakums of the rap game. And I don't even dislike him. He's popular. He is popular. And I actually like a couple of his songs. But he's definitely top 40. Well, for sure. Seems like there was somebody that we missed earlier. Uh, I mean, we've mentioned Fetty Wap. Haven't really gone into him. Well, but I mean, when we did that show a while back, I mean, he he had been on other tracks and that was like his first. I got I got all the Fetty Wap out of me that I wanted uh, I didn't add these two. I see on the list there's a Kevin Gates and August Alsina. Um, oh, I put that up there. I think. Do you know anything about it? Yeah, it's a song. It, uh, Kevin Gates is another one of those guys. He that that song um, was his only real song, and he became a producer again. And he's another guy worth a ton of money. But it's a, it's it's not even a really a good song. It's, it's, it's called, I don't get tired. It's all about how he can work and work and work and never get tired. He's got like four jobs, those kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, like if you're the guy that's worth a million dollars now, why are you, you know, it, it's funny to me that your, your song about that got you that, that money. It's all about how you're, you know, a guy that won't stop working all these blue collar jobs or white color, you know, no blue color, right? Blue yeah, color. Blue color. Yeah. Anyway. White color. But it's just really funny to me. Like, you know, it, it's, it's like listening to a, a multimillionaire talk about how hard he w- works on washing cars and mowing lawns and shit like that. <laughs> Cause that's what the whole video was about. was like, you know, him doing all this work because he works so hard and he doesn't get tired. All right. If we're going to talk about hardworking, let's talk about one of my personal favorites in the top 40 modern era. I'm talking about the man who came out uh, starting out professionally as Arab Attack, Mr. DJ Khaled. You like him? Oh, I think he's awesome. Oh, I hate him. Oh, there's something about his personality, uh, about how honest he is. And plus he's hilarious. Like, I I think that part of the reason I like him so much is because of his social media presence. Yeah. I don't know anything about that. So I I can't speak on that. That's the thing is he's got such a sense of humor about the world and about himself that it has kind of, uh, affected everything else he's done and made me a fan. See the first, my first experience ever with him was, uh, that 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 one video where he's sitting there with the woman and he's like, "Say my name. What's my name?" That whole thing that's that cut from one of his videos. You know what I'm talking about? No. Just this completely stupid thing where he's like pulling out like wads of ten thousand dollars stacks of money and handing it to her. He's like, "Like buy your family a house. Buy this because you you smart. You you my girl." <laughs> Okay, I have I I've, I haven't heard the video, but I've seen it out of context, and I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's 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 so it's so so over the top stupid that I was like, I I can't take this guy seriously, and that was my first ever impression of him. So it's tainted. Yeah, and, and he is 
uh, almost better known as a producer and social media presence than he is uh, known for actually being a, a rapper. Although he's and, and a guy who will get in any any fucking rap video ever. You know, just, yeah, just tell him when you're filming, he'll show up. Yeah, as long as they got a craft service table. No, that's all I knew. <laughs> was, he's like, that's too much tuna. <laughs> oh, don't bring Nick Kroll into this. <laughs> It's too much tuna. Oh, God, I love Nick Kroll. Anyway, he's uh, collaborated with Drake, Lil Wayne, Nas, Snoop Dogg, Rick Ross, Ludacris, Nelly. He will come. I mean, seriously, he's, he's, he's the fight. Nicolas Cage of the rap community. He will do anything. Just tell him when to be there. He will do anything with you. He doesn't care. Drake, the man who dances like he's got a fart. <laughs> Plus, he cut All I Do Is Win, which I think is an awesome hip hop song. It That is. I will give him that. It, that, that is a fun song. I just thought he introduced uh, stuff before the starts of movies at theaters. Oh, he's on all sorts of commercials now. Yeah, he's everywhere. I, I literally, I did not know that he was a, a hip hop artist. I just thought he was like a, you, a spokesperson guy. So you saw, see his picture now and you realize that's who he is. Yeah. I was listening to a couple of the songs while you guys were talking about him just cause I wanted to see if I could. And there's one that was on there with Jay Z and some other guy. And it was, it was kind of nice. I didn't, but I like Jay Z, so I like his voice. Who doesn't? I like Jay Z. It's it's part of the requirement for being a citizen. You have to, to pay like homage to, to Jay Z and Beyonce. You to... No. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> they are the king and queen of America. I don't know if you realize that. <laughs> Just about. Well, they maybe not quite as much anymore, but yeah. Oh, ever since Lemonade. She's definitely the queen. He may have been knocked down, but all the women wow. were like, mm, fuck that Jay-Z. We on Beyonce's team. And that solidified her as the queen. That album did. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to follow up talking about uh, uh, those with talking about Machine Gun Kelly. I've said his <laughs> name and we can move on. Yeah, he's been mentioned. Next he has album. been mentioned. <laughs> now Rick Ross doesn't have to come kick your ass. In fact, now he has been deleted from the show notes. <laughs> Oh, he is gone. Oh, yeah. We have blown him up from the show notes. So I am entirely sure that we have missed some fairly influential artists. Oh, hell yeah. Um, especially we're, not, we're not historians. And we're obviously stronger on the early history of rap being old <laughs> than we are on stuff that's come out in the last 15 years. Uh, do you guys have anybody else you want to make sure... I'm sure there's somebody major we're forgetting. But uh, I, I don't have anybody else. Vanilla Ice? Well, that was a thing. He was in my show notes, but, uh, but I left them on the counter. I still don't have them. But yes, he, he came and went, but he was part of that original. Yeah, it was uh, in that party rap era. That, yeah. Yeah, a guy who went overnight from being one of the biggest rappers in the world to a joke and never recovered, but when an article was released about his childhood. Yeah, but he segued that into uh, a new career when he started doing home improvement shows and then... Yeah, but he's back in jail. And he's, well, there's a 90s tour going around now I thought he was in. Uh, at least he was coming well, here to Rockford. He was, he, he was in jail for a little while. I don't think he's like spending a lot of time. He got arrested for something. That's we talked about service. Method Man already. So, yes. yep. 
I was just making sure we got all the bases covered from Luke Cage, considering that's probably uh, the most rap I've listened to recently that isn't from like 20 years ago. I agree. And yeah, if you haven't seen it, you really should. Or at okay, least so, listen to the soundtrack. So the question remains, I've already declared my Snoop love. Who are you guys' favorites? Modern? Or no, just in general. general. Like out of, out of everybody we've discussed. Well, Meth and Red, like I said, I, I, I love their album that they did together. Um, I, I still like Eminem. I, I mean, I could still listen to his stuff. And his course, lyrics are so tight and very clever. And and that's what I, I think what I like about it. And then, I mean, going back to the, the old school stuff, of course, I'll always be a Beastie Boys fan. And um, and you go back even further. I mean, Public Enemies, how I cut my teeth on non, you know, commercial rap. So anybody who's listened to this show over the course of time knows that I knows my feelings on the Beastie Boys, and I will not go in. Yes, we do. And you're wrong. Huh. As someone who respects primarily like tight lyric, uh, like tight rhymes, tight lyrics, clever lyrics. Don't even try to say that they're tight and clever. No, 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 no. That's, I, I'm trying okay, to answer your question. Stop okay, ranting, old man. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, I, I'm probably going to have to go back to Tupac. I mean, Tupac and uh, most death is going to be up there, too. Those are good choices. Uh, yeah, I, and, and of course, honorable mention is going to go to Eminem. Uh, almost anybody else besides those three who is going to be as tight lyrically and as clever with how they put their rhymes together is probably going to be independent uh, underground rappers who are beyond the focus of this show. All right. Was that about wrap it up? Yeah, <laughs> I think it does. You said like that. You like that? I don't. So, uh, he- you listening to this are currently screaming because you realized we missed somebody huge. So you should let us know that by giving a call to 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. We did talk about the fat boys, though, as far as somebody. Yeah, but we didn't mention Fat Joe, except I did just now. So don't call about him either. Just lean back and relax. (laughs) E40. Yeah, all the big guys. Uh, Or you can uh, give us an email at uh, 40go14 at gmail.com or visit us on our Facebook page where you can also either send us a message directly or leave a voicemail there as well. Mike usually does the other half of this, so I guess I'll continue. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> I'm so used to shutting up at the end of the show. I'm just like, la, la, la. <laughs> I already checked out as I normally do. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. You can take it. You can, you can it. also uh, check out our archives on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Google Play Podcasts, and other fine podcasting directories. I mean, considering I didn't know what you had already said, I was like, yeah, be best. Be <laughs> you just <laughs> mentally checked out. Yep. Oh, Mike's got this. Yeah, I was gone. I was like, yep. <laughs> this is the point of the show where I don't have to listen anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, now we are gone, and uh, we will see you next week. Uh, we won't see you, and you won't see us. You'll be hearing us. They can see me if they want. We can arrange that.
Oh, yeah. You probably don't want, though. I would guarantee you, you wouldn't after you did. Okay, let, let's just end this then. <laughs> Lord of the Accuser says we are done. <laughs> I bet he's got a lot of rhymes for melanin. <laughs>